Good morning. This is Jim Colburn with Commodity Research Group. I'm here with Andy LeBeau, also of Commodity Research Group. We're here to talk about energy markets. Along with Ed Meir, Andy and I founded Commodity Research Group, which consults on various aspects of commodity markets. Check out our website, commodityresearchgroup.com, where we post our blog and our podcast. We'd also like to thank EKT Interactive Oil and Gas Training for hosting this podcast as part of their learning network. EKT Interactive offers effective and affordable e-learning for companies and individuals. Their website is ektinteractive.com. This podcast should be construed as market commentary, merely observing economic, political, and market conditions, and is not intended to refer or endorse any particular trading system. We are not responsible for any trading decisions taken. Information is not guaranteed to be accurate. This is not an offer to buy or sell any derivative. Good morning, Andy LeBeau. Good morning, Jim Colburn. We have a lot to talk about, so let's get right to it. I want to start with um, oil production in the U.S. The IEA came out with their uh, five-year uh, projection and um, uh, fatigue uh, bar- the barrel of, of the IEA um, was quoted as saying that the U.S., Brazil, Canada, and Norway will more than meet demand growth through 2020. So that's my, my essay question to you. Why don't you just take that and, uh, and uh, discuss it? Okay, let's talk about uh, U.S. production first. Well, actually, I, I think the first thing to talk about is our estimates, because estimates can be misleading, to say the least. You know, I went back uh, a year ago to see what the EIA was predicting for 2018 production growth. And they were looking at a growth of half a million barrels a day. That's mm. just a year ago. Now, they're saying 2018 is going to be up by 1.4 million barrels a day, or a million barrels a day difference in just a year. Big so difference. It's a huge difference. <laughs> so I, I think you have to be very careful with, with some of these some of these estimates. You know, they look good on, on paper, but um, you know, as, as when it comes to reality, they can be, as we know, quite different. And particularly with shale, because shale, as we know, is a very uh, depletion is fast. So some of these numbers may look as though, oh yeah, we're going to continue to grow and grow at this rapid pace, but you know we have to we have to continually be replacing this production. Um, now, if you look at the U.S. production estimates, also they do tend to flatten out as we head into uh, the early 2021, 20, 22. Um, you know, assuming they're they're accurate, and we've got a big boost this year and uh, next year. I think it's 500 or 600 growth and 400, 400, something like that. But, you know, a lot of this is going to depend on uh, the economics, you know, where the curve is, uh, you know, what, what hedges are, where costs are, what the economy is. So, um, Jim, I think we've learned, right, <laughs> over, right. These, over these 30-something years of watching, you know, these markets that, uh, you know, you can, you can give – you know, you can give the estimates, but, uh, you know, you've got to be, you have to be very careful. Yeah. Show me, don't snow me. But I, you know, this, the CIRA uh, conference is going on, uh, as we speak in Houston and there's a couple of, uh, I took these quotes from the paper, so I'm not sure, uh, if they were 
quote it correctly, but I'm going to use them anyway. Um, Tim Dove of uh, Pioneer Natural Resources was saying they have a $20 break even, um, you know, in, in the Permian. And then there's uh, uh, Mark Papa, former CEO of EOG, says, uh, you know, the best locations have been uh, already tapped in North Dakota and South Texas. There's a shortage of sand. There's other problems. Right. And, and so you're getting a wide range. Obviously, some of these guys are talking their book, but you're getting a wide range of uh, commentary. So, you know, I, I have to sympathize with the, um, the excellent uh, uh, fatigue and also the EIA. Um, it, what they're trying to do is, is trying to hit a moving target, it seems. Oh, these guys do a great job. I'm not, you know, it's so hard um, to to predict what, what production is. And certainly if they're right um, on U.S. production, you know, the market's going to be pretty well supplied uh, as we head into, you know, the balance of this year, 2019, 2020, uh, in, and into 21. It's just not uh, U.S. production that's expected to grow, but... Um, you know, we'll see growth out of Canada, out of Brazil, out of Norway. So non-OPEC production is, uh, you know, set to grow. But then, you know, the, this, as we head into 21, 2021 and 2022, you know, that's when we're, we're going to start feeling the effects of the uh, investment gap from the, the, the failure to invest uh, because of low prices in, in some of the big projects. There were hundreds of billions of dollars of uh, projects canceled. And, um, you know, 2021 and 22, um, despite the, the expectation of U.S. production growth, um, you know, you, you're going to start feeling these effects. So it's not, it, it may not necessarily be a, a completely upward sloping curve as we head into the early 2020s. Right. And, and um, what was that day that uh, peak demand supposed to kick in? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> not, and that's on 2035, I guess, at, uh, right, right. you know, yeah. Yeah. 11 a.m. You know? Right. Yeah. Um, I just want to, so, so why we're talking about all this oil production, I would expect to see prices dumping right now or, you know, they're down, but I mean, we're like 61, 62 in uh, front month WTI, but they're holding up. Yeah. I think they're holding up because the you know we're we're at a place where inventories have been drawn down. Uh, you know we've been talking I think on these podcasts about how we expected that uh, stocks would, would draw, and indeed indeed they have. And if you look at where we are on OECD inventories, we're we're very close to the five year average. You know we're only fifty million barrels above it. And if you look at day supply days forward supply, we're maybe like half a day to a day uh, above the five-year average. So if you, if you look at where we are inventory-wise, we, we are, you know, we're around average. And of course, uh, the other major factor is the growth in demand. Uh, the last year, very strong year in, in demand growth. I think it was one four, one five. I think we'll have the same this year. So petroleum demand has, has I think, been strong enough um, to really keep the market to keep the market steady. Um, talking about uh, stock draws, we've seen uh, Cushing stocks decline uh, sharply recently. And um, can you talk about what, what's going on there and, and the effect on the curve? I mean, you would expect this with Cushing stocks to go down so much, the curve to be uh, strengthening. 
And yeah, yet that's, but that's it hasn't it. been. It's been weakening. It's really, it's really remarkable. It's Cushing stocks. You know, they've drawn like 20 million barrels since, since December uh, on uh, pipeline problems in um, Canada. Uh, the Keystone pipeline, I think, is still not quite 100%. Uh, and a new pipeline out of, out of Cushing. Um, and so stock, as well as, as very strong runs in December and January in, in pad two. Uh, so as a result, Cushing is, is really has drawn, as I said, significantly, but, you know, at, at the, early in January, yeah, the, the backwardation stiffened a lot, but in the, these last couple of weeks, it's come off. Uh, and M1, M2, month one to month two has really come off. Uh, and you would expect, right, Jim? You'd expect these things to be, you yeah. know, these things to be spiking up. Amazing. There was a, a trade put on, uh, I guess, about a month ago. Uh, somebody bought a, uh, about ten thousand uh, flat puts in three months going out. So um, that uh, that would be, uh, let's see, it was April, May, May, June, June, July. So the buyer of these puts um, is looking for or protecting against. Uh, the market going in, into uh, contango, and and um, you know if you th- if you think about why they might do that, if if this market starts selling off and all this uh, fund business decides to liquidate, well, the funds tend to be in the front end of the market. Um, that that could get a push through that flat, you know, front to back first month, second month uh, flat area pretty quickly. Is it, do you uh, agree with that? Yeah, I think it could happen. I mean, we, we've been talking about this net length for, you know, <laughs> you know I know, I know. And, you know, uh, uh, really, uh, last not last week, but so the prior week, the, the the ratio of long to short was like 20 to 1. I mean, that is so off the charts. Yeah. And, uh, you know, in, in net length. So, the, you know, the market is, is very long. And I think, you know, it's certainly possible that you got to, it, it will happen uh, where we'll see a, a very significant, uh, we, well, last month we saw a very significant sell-off. Uh, pro- and, and some of the net length did get, did get liquidated. Not that much. It's 17 to one. Um, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think you're right, Jim. I think that could really, you know, pressure the uh, pressure of the front month, and you might see it get down the flat or even contango. Yeah, and even if they uh, continue to hold their length, they still have to sell the front and buy the next month out. So that also might put a little pressure on it, and um, um, we'll, we'll keep an eye on that. Um, oh, yeah. Yep. So. Go ahead. You want to say something? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's that's obviously a big factor where the curves are, where the where the uh, you know where where the how the backwardation is uh, trading. Um, now, is it, can can Cushing be a, like a a through station now? We we we're more interested in looking at the price of WTI in Houston, you know, as it re- reflects the uh, export demand. Um, is can. Cushing be like a, a footnote now? I mean, I know it's a delivery point for the futures contracts, so it'll always have some importance, but um, is it, you know, stocks low enough? Is it gonna, are they going to start seeing squeezes or, or, uh, or do, is it going to just decline in its importance? I think, well, it, it'll, as you said, Jim, it's always going to be important because it's the marker price, right? The delivery, delivery 
price. But yeah, I think Cushing is because if we saw this big of a decline, you would think that backward day, you know, the first to second month would be, you know, much higher than 10, 15, 20 cents. You know, probably you'd be thinking it would be a dollar, dollar fifty. And I think some of that is, um, because yeah, Cushing has become a, a through station, and a lot of it is because of the the change in exports. You know, used the, now the marker, the market is way more important at uh, you know in, in Houston, and it will probably also in, in Louisiana as those exports pick up. So. Um, in those, but, uh, it's yeah. hard to say that you know Cushing's going to lose its its importance in the in the global you know, global oil trade, right? Right. Given it is the marker. Yeah, there's still a lot of volume uh, trading yeah, on say the least. To, right. say the, to say the least, yes. So um, I was looking at today's weekly numbers from, from the EIA, and uh, I know there's a lot of noise associated with that and um, a couple of uh, eye-popping uh, uh, numbers that um, I thought uh, came out. We talked about already. One was the uh, production 10.369 up. 86,000 uh, from last right. week. Which is why the market's getting hammered right now. Oh, it is getting hammered. I was, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, that makes sense to me. Yeah. Uh, another one was, uh, you mentioned, uh, we talked about this, the Cushing stocks being down um, uh, despite a little build in the oil stocks overall. Um, and the, the other one that I thought was pretty interesting was, was uh, demand. I mean, uh, total demand, it's only two months. But we're up 4.6%, or as, as they call it, the uh, product supplied. It's like an implied demand number, up 4.6% from last year. Gas, gasoline, up 4.8%, and distillate up 5.5%. This is the year-to-date numbers. So when you look at the EIA's projection of gas demand, it's only up 30,000 uh, for the year, for you know, 2018 over right, 17. That's right. And yet, it looks like it's smoking hot right now. So, where, what's what's wrong with this? Uh, so, so by that reasoning, you'd say, okay, EIA has to raise their estimate for gas demand. What's what, what do you see wrong with that? Well, there's two things. One, probably some of this demand will get revised away. You know, when the <laughs> monthlies come out. Right. Uh, the the other thing is that last year, last January and February, demand was. Uh, was extraordinarily weak uh, because it was warm in the Northeast. So that affected diesel demand and gasoline demand really was horrendous because the West Coast was getting pummeled by like storm after storm last year. So West Coast gasoline demand pretty much disappeared. Mm -hmm. um, and so you're, you're looking at comparisons to a very weak uh, January and, and, and February. I think the EIA is actually right on their gasoline forecast. I mean, maybe they'll raise it a little, you know, maybe they'll raise it like 25 to 50 a day. Uh, but it does look like gasoline demand uh, is beginning to plateau, at least here in the here in the U.S. Last year was like it was unchanged. This year they're looking for very little growth, um, and and I think that's I think that's going to be right. Miles traveled, you know, even though it's a record every month, it's beginning to level off, um, and pump prices are, are quite a bit above uh, above year ago. So, um, and of course, you know the fleet efficiency, et cetera, is is improving at a less ra at a, 
this rapid pace, but nevertheless, that, that's another uh, that's another factor. Yeah, I think uh, if you look at uh, per capita miles driven, it's nowhere near records. And and uh, right, you know, the, the baby boomers are are not driving as much, and baby boomer kids, um, they're all living in the city, so they don't they don't drive either. It's a it's an interesting uh, uh, style uh, change for sure. Yeah, we we had big gasoline growth in like 14, 15 and 16 um, due to, you know, the pump, obviously prices were very low right. uh, at the, at the pump. But, you know, this summer, you know, you, you could, you could see $3, you know, and not counting California, but it, it's possible if crude, uh, if crude picks up. Now, one thing I wanted to ask you, Jim, is it, it looks as though, um, the petroleum markets are getting a little uh, more tightly correlated with, with some of the financial markets. Um, yeah, that's, you know, it's funny you mentioned that because the, the EIA's monthly report had uh, uh, a couple comments um, on that exact thing. They, they talked about how, I think, uh, let's see, what were my notes on this? The, the um, uh, correlation in, in January of crude oil with the S&P uh, went from zero to uh, plus 0.3 in uh, late Feb. So, um, you know, that's moving from zero correlated to some slightly correlated. And then um, I looked up the, um, I looked up the correlation for the last 30 days on the CME's uh, uh, pretty cool uh, tool that they have. And it was, it's back down to plus 0.17. And um, I also looked at the um, cor- the last 30-day correlation with crude and the euro, the, the dollar-euro oh. currency, yeah, and it was just almost zero. So, it was, you know, despite what I read and in in hear, the, the dollar moved because the, the, I mean, the crude moved because the dollar moved, it doesn't seem to, I mean, it doesn't seem to show up in, at least in the last 30 days. Um, so, yeah, that's uh, slightly correlated, but I... You know, you just—I don't think you could trade crude off. Off maybe maybe the big move in in S and P down uh, would keep you from holding off buying lots of crude oil. But um, overall, I think they run on their own uh, their own fundamentals. I think if you go back to two thousand eight, two thousand nine, you know, we were looking at um, the the Thursday. Uh, uh, jobs numbers, the the uh, first time claims, and and the crude oil market was trading off of those uh, numbers, so it was highly correlated back then. I'd say uh, it has its moments, but mostly not very correlated. Even plus point three is not. No, nah, that's not a big. It's not tradable. You know? Yeah, that, that's not a big correlation. I think, you know, to to me, if a market, you know, is is somewhat balanced as as you know, it looks like petroleum is at the, for the moment, you know, some of these interday moves can be just trading off the dollar or the, or the S and P or, or something like that, but as you know, Jim, both of us believe, you know, that, that fundamentals matter, you know, technicals, but you know, I'm a strong believer in, uh, 
in fundamentals, even though there have been some articles of late about how, um, you know, fundamentals don't matter at all. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, saw I, think that, I, right? I think yeah. I, I, I think I read that article back in like uh, <laughs> 1983 and 84, yeah. probably every, every year since. They, they recycle it for sure. They, re- they recycle but, it and just, just blame they, somebody else. I mean, if, if I'm a, if I'm a risk manager and, and I'm looking at a fund and I, and I see that, you know, my, my uh, currency guys are going, going along the dollar and my oil guys are short oil, you know, maybe I, I ask them to lighten up a little bit because there's some correlation there, but, but, um, and possibly it goes into a very correlated, but, but last year in 2017, the, uh, the dollar was, uh, what was it? Weakening, uh, for the first half of the year and oil was selling off. So it, right. it's, yeah, it's exactly. Really, there's enough, there's enough times where they, they're, uh, where they're not correlated or, or, they're, they're correlated the opposite of what you think and uh, to, to uh, you know, you focus trade it on its own fundamentals, I think. Um, having said that, Andy, uh, let's, let's change pace a little bit. I, I want to talk about options because um, really there's nothing much to say about options. Um, I, I track the uh, most uh, open interest, option, option strikes with the most open interest and believe it or not, with all the stuff that's been going on, it's the uh, Dece in June 60 calls and the Dece in June 50 puts, which, which probably uh, developed most of their open interest over the you know, past year or two years, not uh, recent activity. And there's no like front month strikes. Last month we had about almost, almost 50,000 on the uh, 57 put in March, but we, we don't see anything like that going on right now. So it's kind of like a, this little uh, choppiness, um, uh, I'd say more of a lack of activity than um, big stuff happening um, to change the structure of this marketplace. So, so basically, in volatility is, it moved up to 27% on the, on the big move uh, down, and now it's, it's trading around 25%, and that's compared to a 33% implied vol. Uh, for a long, long um, since options began trading. So with that, I don't know if you have anything else you want to add in the options world, but um, I think we move on to uh, uh, gasoline stocks and distillate stocks. Going yeah, in. well, let's talk a little gasoline and distillate, and then we'll move on to uh, move on to OPEC. Terrific. And, uh, the love fest that's going on in Houston, but it's not really a love fest between the, between the shale producers uh, and the, uh, the OPEC guys. I can't imagine sitting down at dinner. Oh and, boy. Uh, yeah. Almost blew these guys doors off just two years ago. You know? Yes. And now they're coming uh, hat in hand, help us, which they're obviously the shale producers are not going to be, what are they going to do? Right. Right. But, Right, they're they're prohibited from uh, any any uh, price, you know, any manipulation on uh, price. So I don't see anything. I don't see anything going there. But but quickly on uh, gasoline and uh, diesel, um, I, I don't really like gasoline very much. I mean, we, we've the interesting thing on gasoline is there was a big shortfall after uh, Harvey, obviously. Um, and you know we lost tens of millions of, of barrels of uh, gasoline production. Um, the 
now um, gasoline stocks have been more than rebuilt and we're, we're at a surplus to, uh, to average. Um, we're at a, uh, right now we're about a 10 million barrel surplus to the four year average. So, so we're, you know, we've rebuilt gasoline, uh, probably a little bit more than what, uh, the market, uh, wanted to see. Um, you know, it's going to be incumbent on uh, export demand really to continuing because as, as we just mentioned, U.S. demand is not, is not going to be anything to write home about this year. Um, so, um, refiners are really going to need uh, strong export demand. And to a certain extent, that's going to um, depend a lot on how Mexican refineries um, produce this year. Uh, you know, Selena Cruz was out a lot of last year, the big refinery. Uh, so that, that's going to be key for, uh, for gasoline. Um, but, it, it, I, you know, seasonally we are coming into the, the spring season, but we're coming in with, uh, you know, with, with ample stocks. So I, I'm, I don't really see anything all that interesting on, uh, on, on gasoline. And we'll watch what the export demand is. Obviously, we're in March right now. It's a shoulder month. And diesel looks a little better. Uh, diesel is in uh, pretty good shape. I, I think the uh, key is... Um, the key for diesel also is going to be exports. I think exports from the U.S. Gulf are going to pick up. Uh, imports into Pad One are probably going to um, probably going to decline. Um, European stocks grew, but they, they had an amazing cold snap over there. Yeah. Yeah. So um, you know, I, I think we'll start seeing the. I, I think we're going to start seeing diesel stocks. I'm looking for some further declines here, uh, which is also seasonal. But uh, I think diesel is going to be well below last year and well below the, the four-year average on, uh, on stocks. So to me, diesel is the one that, uh, that looks a lot better than, uh, than gasoline. And um, do you think runs are, are bottoming here? I mean, yeah, see, I mean, yeah, I mean, you, know, you always have give or take. There, there's some problems coming back from turnarounds, uh, as there always are. But um, you know, as we head into this, the second half of March, or you know, late March, early April, yeah, yeah, we're we're troughing. We're, runs are runs will will come back, and obviously, both gasoline and uh, and diesel production will uh, will increase. Okay, so um, before let's let's get into that uh, OPEC discussion you're talking about. They have a June meeting. Um, you there, there's like you said, there's a love fest going on. Um, but Russia is is I mean the compliance is still good, right? I mean this this is a, compliance is excellent. Is excellent. I mean, compliance is excellent. Um, you know, a lot of it is because Venezuelan production has continued to. You know, fall off the table. They're trying to uh, they're trying to stabilize, uh, but OPEC production is you know they're down to 32.2, 32.3, um, which is just about uh, what the call is on OPEC crude for the first half of the year, uh, give or take. You know, we're right around maybe a hundred thousand barrels either way on uh, the call for uh, the call for OPEC. So you know, globally, the stocks may build some here in the next couple of months. It may stay the same, draw some, but, uh, you know, the market looks, uh, the market looks pretty balanced. 
the the second half, um, depending on you know what, what we like to do or what I like to do is average the three, the big three, IEA, EIA, and the OPEC report. And and if you do that, because OPEC is looking for a big draw, the EIA in the second half is looking for a big build, and the IEA is looking for like balanced. Right. So you take the three together, it looks like a slight draw. It looks like a two to three hundred thousand barrel draw in the in the second half, which you know, which is should be bullet, you know, should be constructive. Should be, yeah. You know, should be should be constructive. So um but well, the big the big question for OPEC, you know, they've already said um Alphalise said we're not getting out of this deal until the end of eighteen. But the, you know, the big question is, how do they get out of it, right? right. We, just talked, we just talked about U.S. production growing in Norway and Brazil, you know, non-OPEC production taking all the market share. You know, they've, they've got to figure out a way to get out of this deal, you know, and well, not completely give up their markets. And also, I mean, it's got to be killing Russia to see they, they've, they've uh, gone in with OPEC and they're seeing the U.S. Uh, come on strong. Um, how much excess capacity do you think Russia has if they if they wanted to just start producing like crazy? Well, their excess capacity is what they've cut three hundred a day. That's it. That's it. Okay. I think that's it. I mean, maybe there's a little more, but you know, not 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 all that much. Yeah, it definitely has to be. Um, you know, Russia. There's other things going on, obviously, geopolitically between uh you know how the, how the russians want to approach the saudis and the iranians and uh but also you know prices did rally jim i mean they, they, yes they did you know they cut 300 you know and the market went from 27 to 70 it's so, a good deal it's, it's a good, a good deal, deal. Yes. yeah it was an easy you know it was a yes. pretty cheap it was a cheap deal so you know i think that even though there's pressure on them to um you know, there's probably going to be some pressure to get out of it. You know, they all see the balances. They know, you know, if they were to get out of it now, you know, the market would have a bigger surplus. Now, there isn't, there's always wild cards in the oil market, which makes it the greatest market ever. Of course. Right? It makes it the greatest market it's ever because, the, yeah. because um, the, the U.S. president has repeatedly said he wants to get out of the nuclear deal with Iran. And the next chance that he's going to get to scuttle this deal is going to be in May. Um, and given where we've seen him go just last week on uh, tariffs, um, you know, it, uh, I, think the, I think the odds are pretty good that he's going to try to scuttle this deal. And, um, you know, there's a lot of, there's going to be a lot of moving parts, mm -hmm. but, uh, as to, you know, who, where, who's going to abide by the sanctions, you know, th th there's a lot there, uh, which we'll discuss as we head into, Mar into May, but from a oil perspective, it could take as much as like four to 500,000 barrels a day off the market. Which which would really you know in, in maybe 180 days after they've there are a lot of hurdles on this deal uh, it's some it's complex and, and um, in, there are a lot of ins and outs to it but you know you take half a million barrels a day off the market all right well that's one way to get 
exit the deal. You know, that, yes. that helps you to exit the deal. Right. So, you know, that's something that, you know, the market is not really paying that much attention to. But, you know, I think as we head start getting closer to uh, get closer to May, um, you know, it's, I think it will. It, it also seems a, uh, a little bit of a, uh, I would say a ceiling, but the Iranian uh, oil growth, and there might be some reluctance of, um, you know, big oil companies uh, to move in there and develop. Totally, yeah. You know, the U.S. Because, ones, definitely. Yeah, definitely. So, interesting. Let's, um, before we're, uh, we wrap this up, let's, let's talk about prices. Um, let's start with, uh, what do you think about um, WTI going forward? Well, I think that both markets are, are in a range um, I think that, uh, there, there's going to be a, uh, maybe we're seeing it today because the market's really getting, getting hit. I mean, today's Wednesday. Last I looked, it was down a dollar 50. Um, so, you know, man, maybe some of the sell-off is today, but I, but I do think going forward, um, the fundamentals are going to be strong enough to keep this market from, you know, completely collapsing. I mean, I could see it getting down to, you know, maybe, maybe 56, 50, 57, you know, and on the right. upside, 63, 50, 64 over the next few, you know, a few weeks, months. Um, and I think it's just the range. It really looks balanced right now. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think, I think on the downside, we have all this length and if it's, you know, there's a whole bunch of it technically driven. I mean, you could get um, a nice spike down, but um, longer term, like you have the Iranian deal and you, in your face and also the strong demand and the balanced market and things getting tight towards the end. It's hard to see a sustained um, uh, collapse, but you know, that's, that's the, that would be the contrarian view, wouldn't it? Right. Oh, definitely be good considering all the length in the, in the market. Yeah, that would definitely be the, that would definitely be the contrarian view. Yeah. So we had that uh, last year, we had that move down. I think it was in June we made the lows, correct? And, and um, I think, you, yeah, you it went down to 45, you know, right around the mid 40s, maybe yeah. a little bit. And I can't remember exactly what the low was, but you know, the second half definitely looked, you know, looked really strong. It does not look as strong this second half. You know, it ended up, we, we were drawing, you know, we drew, we drew a half a million barrels a day last year. Right. You know, it was a solid stock draw. And um, gasoline price, you, uh, you you said you didn't like gasoline, so maybe a little more weakness in gas prices? Yeah, I think, a little, I think a little more weakness. Uh, uh, I think we were looking for like 183 on the downside, 193.50 maybe on the upside, something like that. Mm -hmm. and, and distillate? And, and distillate, uh, I was looking for... Well, I'm bullish distillate. I mean, I also think 183 should hold. Um, you know, I was looking for like 194, 195. I don't know if we'll get that or that much. And, and this is all, uh, some of these projections are, um, actually all the projections are in our monthly report. Okay. Uh, yep. which you can, uh, you can get a copy of uh, by getting a hold of either one of us. Uh, my email is a labo at commodityresearchgroup.com. That's A L E B O W at commodityresearchgroup.com. 
and you can find out more about us on the on the uh, on our website, which is uh, www.commodityresearchgroup.com. Jim Colburn has been posting some excellent, excellent posts every day about uh, things that um, affect the uh, affect the oil market. Andy, I'm, I am a uh, commodity market uh, junkie. And I'm always looking for, you know, good stuff to put up there. And, and um, you know, there's, there's a lot of junk out there, but, you know, you find some really, um, there, was, there was an article in uh, Reuters that was talking about um, uh, exports of crude and the economics that was in that article. I, I posted it. It's, it was just really, really uh, dripping with information. I love articles like that. So when I see something like that, I put it up on the, on the blog. Just Yeah, uh, it's great. It's yeah. really great stuff. And, and feel free to hit us up on, uh, you know, on social media. We like LinkedIn. So, uh, you know, try either one of us. We'll be happy to, to add you and, and start a discussion, um, uh, you know, about the markets. Okay. This has been uh, Jim Colburn, Andy LeBeau with our monthly energy markets podcast and uh, commodityresearchgroup.com.